Psalm 32, we'll just read verses 6 to 8. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea. Sorry, that's Psalm 33. It should be Psalm 32. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Well, let's commit our time to God in prayer. Oh, our gracious God and heavenly Father, thank you again, Lord, for bringing us together for worship this evening. Oh, Lord, it is indeed an important matter to come together as a company of your people to worship the God of heaven. Lord, we are reminded that you are the one who sits upon the throne of glory, who rules and overrules all things that take place in time for his greater glory. And indeed, Lord, though we may not always understand it, yet we believe the truth of it, that you work all things for the good of your people. O oh Lord, we don't understand that sometimes, but our hope and our trust is in you. And so we pray that this evening, as we turn to your word together again, we may find you indeed to be our hiding place in those times uh, uh, when floods of great waters threaten, when troubles almost overwhelm. Oh, compass us about, Lord, with songs of deliverance as we call upon you and worship you this evening. Lord, be with us to instruct us and to teach us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Our opening praise this evening is hymn number 13. Number 13. And it's a, it's a lovely hymn. And it reminds us that God is here wherever his people meet together for worship. And may he help us to adore him and to bow before him and to feel his power. Lo, God is here. Let us adore and own how dreadful is this place. Let all within us feel his power and silent bow before his face. Who know his power, his grace who proves, serve him with awe, with reverence, love. Number 13.
God's Word together this evening to the second book of Kings, chapter 13. The second book of Kings, chapter 13. And just a short reading this evening from verse 14 down to the end of verse 23. <clears throat> 2 Kings, chapter 13, from verse 14. Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness whereof he died. And Joash the king of Israel came down unto him and wept over his face and said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou have consumed them. And he said, Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him and said, Thou shouldst have smitten five or six times. Then hast thou smitten Syria till thou hast consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. And Elisha died, and they buried him. And the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. And it came to pass, as they were burying a man, that, behold, they spied a band of men, and they cast the man into the sepulchre of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. But Hazael, king of Syria, oppressed Israel all the days of Jehoahaz. And the Lord was gracious unto them, and had compassion on them, and had respect unto them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and would not destroy them. Neither cast he from their prayer, his presence as yet. Oh, may God speak to us through those verses as we turn to them later on. Let's sing together again in hymn 716, a rendering of Psalm 27. God is my strong salvation. What foe have I to fear? In darkness and temptation, my light, my help is near. Number 716.
Let's come to God again in prayer. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, how we thank you for the lines of that precious psalm that Montgomery turned into that beautiful hymn. Oh Lord, you know the foes that we fear. You know the darkness and temptation through which we pass from time to time. And we rejoice, Lord, that we can go through these experiences in life with confidence that God is our strong salvation, our light, and our help. Oh, what a blessing it is, Lord, to know that you are at our right hand, there to protect us, there to support us, there to be to us all that we need. And we hear that exhortation afresh to place our reliance, our dependence upon you and to rest our trust, to uh, use it, Lord, as a great anchor as we cast it into the rock of ages that was cleft for us on the cross at Calvary, that scene of suffering and shame and yet that scene of the greatest victory that the world has ever known. For there on that cross, the evil one was defeated. And Lord, in the resurrection of, that blessed, of our blessed Savior, death has lost its sting. It has lost its hold upon us. And we know, Lord, that though we must, all of us, one day come to that place where Elisha was in our reading. Lord, our reading began that Elisha fell sick and it closed with him leaving this world to enter into eternity. Lord, we must all come to that point at some stage in our life. And what a mercy it is, Lord, to know that in, in those moments, Lord, whatever that may mean for us, our Savior is still with us. He has gone that way before. And he is waiting to receive us on the other side. Oh Lord, we thank you that that does not mean that you abandon your people. No, Lord. It means that you are with them every step of life's journey, every step uh, through that last uh, transaction of life. And Lord, even beyond, you will be with us. Oh Lord, how wonderful. How precious is that truth to our hearts. Lord, human nature feels these things. And rightly so, Lord. It would not be normal, it would not be right if we did not. But Lord, we know that indeed underneath are the everlasting arms of our God and our Saviour. And you will hold us up, that we shall not fall. But Lord, we shall all be changed one day. So, Father, we're thankful for these precious parts of your word, these beautiful hymns that we can sing together. And we thank you, Lord, that you have given us a love to these things. For, Father, that love was not in us by nature. Lord, we turned away from these things. And it may be that there are some in this congregation this evening who are turning away from such things. They do not want to consider them. They may be present. Lord, they may be listening online. But, O oh Lord, you are in every place. And, Lord, we pray that, Lord, you would work in anyone whose hearts are far from God, that wonderful transformation. Lord, that glorious new birth that they may come to that place where they repent of their sin and put their trust wholly and solely in the Lord Jesus Christ. For none of us have anything in and of ourselves to commend us to you, Lord. No, we are reliant completely upon our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, in whose name we draw near to the throne of God this evening. Oh, we thank you, Lord, that we can draw near, that we can come boldly, though humbly, to the throne of grace. 
We can come to the throne of our Heavenly Father, the Almighty God, this God, this faithful God who is our God, who has promised to receive us when we come in the name of his Son. Lord, we claim that promise this evening. We are coming in the name of your Son to seek for your enabling and for your directing and for your grace to be our portion in the days of our life. Whether they be many or few, we all need you, Lord. Some of us need guidance and wisdom. That guidance and wisdom that is not inherent in us, but is to be found in Christ, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and redemption and sanctification. All that we need dwells in him. And so we come in his name, Lord. Guide us and direct the path of our feet as individuals. Or guide and direct our dear friends who gather here at Gordon Road. We thank you for them. (coughs) We thank you for the fellowship that we have enjoyed with them. And sometimes more, sometimes less. But we have enjoyed fellowship with them over many years now. And Lord, we pray for this little church here. Dear Lord, you will provide for them in your grace and in your wisdom and indeed for Market Street as well. Men after your own heart to be pastors and under shepherds over the flock of God, answerable to the chief shepherd, to the great, the good shepherd, but given that commission to shepherd the flock of God Oh, Lord, would you raise up such men? Lord, would you equip them? Would you direct their steps to this place? And Lord, would you direct the hearts and the prayers of your people to seek after a pastoral ministry, which is the biblical way? He gave to them pastors and teachers. And many, many churches in this part of the country, Lord, need such men. We bear the need before you, the only one who can supply that need. Meet it, Father, we do pray. And direct not only the man, and, but also the people to the man, that there might be a wonderful flowing together of unity in the matter. We thank you for the way in which you have led our brother Tom to the fellowship in Eastbourne. And that encourages us to pray on for other churches in this area. And we thank you again tonight, Lord, that there will be that prayer meeting on Friday evening down in Eastbourne. Oh, Lord, oh, Heavenly Father, stir up the hearts of the people to pray. Lord, we're going to be thinking of Elisha, but we can't very often think of him without Elijah, his predecessor, and how he prayed so earnestly and his prayers were answered. Oh, may there be united prayer going up even this week uh, for these blessings that are yours to give. And Lord, may we hear ere long that those cries have been answered in a marked and precious way. Oh Lord, we pray for the localities in which we live, surrounded by so many people, who do not know and love our Saviour. And Lord, our heart yearns over them. We were thinking this morning, Lord, of your great faithfulness to us, that you are also faithful in, in your judgmental activity. Lord, you are pure and holy, just and righteous. And unless you intervene, Lord, in the hearts of the people around us, they will be lost, oh, irretrievably lost, at the end of their life upon earth, hell itself will await. And Lord, it burdens us to see men seeking after their own pleasures, not, the, not seeking to do what is pleasing to the Lord. Oh, would you work? Would you work in our communities? Some of us have been laboring, Lord, for many years in this community here in Hailsham. 
Lord, how many leaflets have been distributed? We just couldn't count now. But Lord, we've seen so little fruit and it means, and it doesn't mean there is no fruit, Lord, because sometimes the fruit comes after many days. But oh Lord, we have not seen what we long to see. But you are faithful. Use past year's labor for your glory. And Lord, encourage the churches here. Save the people, we pray. We pray for our young people. Oh Lord, how confused they are at every level, whether it's spiritually or physically or mentally. Oh Lord, the confusion that is being bred into their lives. Lord, the wickedness of man seems to have such a grip on the young community. We're thankful for young people that do come through to faith. But Lord, even they come with their baggage and their confusion. Oh Lord, clarify their thinking. And Lord, we pray, help them to grow up, to be faithful servants of God. Lord, one generation is fast passing away. And Lord, the next generation seems confused. Oh, Lord, clear their heads and clear their hearts and give them that wisdom and grace to perceive what is right and what is wrong, to do what is right and shun what is wrong, whatever their peers may think. And Lord, it's going to be costly for them. We are well aware of that. But, oh, Lord, you can strengthen them. And we pray that you will. So, Lord, we come to you this evening for our locality and for the churches in this area. We come to pray again for our nation and the nations of the world. Again, Lord, there's confusion on every hand. Lord, there is war and bloodshed, inhumanity. It's rife, Lord, throughout the world. (coughs) Help us not just to have such a narrow focus as if there's only one country that is in trouble. Lord, it's the world at large. Lord, it's just as it was in the days of Noah. And you've told us that as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man when he returns. But Lord, you are coming back. We lift up our heads, therefore. We anticipate with hope and with joy the return of our Saviour, when all that is wrong and evil will be gone and done forever. And Lord, we shall be with our Saviour. We shall be with our Lord. We shall be with our God and our Father. Be in that holy presence, joining the angelic realm. And yet, Lord, we shall have far more to praise you for than even the angels. For Lord, we are the redeemed. Oh, grant us, Lord, that hope, that confidence that comes through trusting in the Lord, resting in his word, and walking in obedience to his commands in hope. Hear us, Lord, in these our cries this evening, for we offer our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we'll take our hymn books once more, 500 and 54, 554. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Five, five, four.
And let's turn together to God's Word, and we'll turn to the passage we read in the second book of Kings, chapter 13. And I want to just draw some lessons this evening, just two very simple lessons, really, from the deathbed of Elisha. Now, these verses between 14 uh, down through to verse 20, and on really, in a sense, into verse 21 and following, draw our attention then to the closing period of Elisha's life. He is now an old man. His life and 70-year ministry have spanned five turbulent and wicked reigns in Israel. He began his ministry when Ahab was on the throne. And Ahab is recorded in Scripture as no one was as wicked as Ahab. His son Ahaziel was equally as bad. Jehoram, Jehu, and Joash, or Jehoash. These were the men who were on the throne of Israel during the 70-year ministry of Elisha. And what we have in front of us now is the last action of the prophet of grace. I I love to think of Elijah and Elisha together. Elijah, his name is God is my Lord. Eliyah, Eli, God is, Yah, the Lord. And Elisha, again, God is, and the Shah takes us to Yeshua, or Joshua, or Jesus, God my Savior. And all the way through the life of Elisha, if you read it carefully, you will find that it's a saving type of ministry. Well, his last action engages our attention this evening. He has a dying message for the nation. He has a dying message for the king of Israel. And as always, dying words have a special importance. That's just accepted, isn't it? We remember such words. Whoever it is that speaks them, whether it's encouraging or whether it's discouraging, they have a special relevance and importance. And Elisha here is no different. He has a twofold message from God to the people, to the king. And that message speaks of God's deliverance. God's deliverance. God's delivering grace. And just for a few minutes... Let's think of that twofold message. First of all, as Elisha speaks to Joash, the king of Israel, he gives a promise. Deliverance is promised. If you go back to chapter 8, verse 11, it marks the beginning of 20 years of terrible intrigue and bloodshed. During those awful times, Elisha seems to have faded into the background. The prophet isn't heard of between chapters 8 and 13. And all the while, there's Jehu up to what he was doing. There is Jehoram. There's terrible things going on. And yet God seems to have taken his hands off and allowed these things to happen. But now, this faithful ambassador for the Lord, this prophet of God, is lying on his deathbed. Elisha, we read in verse 14, has become sick with the illness of which he would die. And in his illness, the king comes to see him. The king of Israel. A wicked man. But he comes, and Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over him. And the way he addresses the prophet is actually very significant. What does he say to him? 
He weeps over his face and says, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. I say that is significant. That phrase was repeated and used at the very beginning of Elisha's ministry. It was repeated during the course of his ministry. And now it is spoken at the end of his ministry. My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. What had happened at the beginning of Elisha's ministry? We won't go back to the passage now. But you'll remember how Elijah was about to leave him. Elijah was going to go up into heaven by a whirlwind. And not to go through the narrative, instructive as it is, there comes that point where Elijah and Elisha alone cross over the river. The one is going to cross back again, the other is going to go to heaven. And what phrase was used? What happened? The chariots of Is- the chariots of Israel and their horsemen came between Elijah and Elisha. Don't pay any attention to those picture books that tell you that Elisha- Elijah went to heaven in a chariot of fire. He didn't. The scripture is quite clear. He went up into heaven by a whirlwind. God took him by a whirlwind. So it's not Elijah having some glorious sort of spectacular uh, way up into heaven, although it must have been awesome. But the chariots and horsemen of heaven came between Elijah as he went up, and Elisha, who remained. And what is happening at that point is that God is assuring the younger man, Elisha, that his divine protection, as he was with Elijah, so the divine protection will constantly surround his successor. God is pledging to Elisha, that he will protect him in the days that lay ahead. And they were going to be turbulent and dangerous times. But then, later on in Elisha's ministry, the same chariots and horsemen come between the prophet and his enemies. You can read about that when you get home in 2 Kings chapter 6. There, Elisha is being hunted down by the foreign army. And he is holed up, if you like, in Dothan. And the enemy have surrounded the city one night. It looks as though it's all up with Elisha. It's all over with him. If they get their hands on him, well, it's obvious what they would do. And the prophet's fearful servant, in the morning, he gets up. He goes and looks over the ramparts of the city. And all he can see are the enemies surrounding the city. But Elisha, and this is where the chariots come in, he says, open the young man's eyes. And when he opened his eye, when God opened his eyes, what did he see? What did the young man call out? The chariots of Israel and their horsemen. The enemy army was all around. But there between Elisha and that enemy army were these chariots and horsemen. In other words, God promised him at the beginning of his ministry that he would surround him and protect him. 
Now, during the course of his ministry, he is surrounding him and protecting him. And God therefore assured the prophet's fearful servant that the divine protection was around both Elisha and his servant. And actually that same phrase is used in the book of Psalms. In Psalm 68, verses 17 and 18, that very same term is used. And there it's used in a far broader application. Because there it is used in the context, not of individuals, not of prophets, but of God's redeemed people as a whole. The term is just slightly different, but it's the same expression. My friend, do you see what God is saying? Do you see what this wicked king is recognizing? God's protecting care is around his servant. Through his ministry, at the end of his ministry, and on his deathbed. And the king is virtually acknowledging that he needs that divine protection as well. That's what he's effectively saying. Elisha, you're leaving us. What are we going to do? We need the chariots of Israel and the horsemen. We need God's protection. That's why Joash, the king of Israel, is weeping over Elisha. He realizes that God had protected Elisha through his ministry and had preserved the people. Now, whatever's he going to do when Elisha's gone? And Elisha's reaction to that cry is significant. Look at the reaction. In verse 15, Elisha says, take a bow and some arrows. Now, the king would be familiar with bows and arrows. He had no doubt had some right by his side. So he did so. He did so. When when Elisha says to to the king, take a bow and arrows... Remember, Elisha is a prophet. He is virtually saying, there are still future battles to fight. King, you're going to need your bows and arrows. And it's not enough to have the equipment. Take them. Put your hand on the bow. draw the string. In other words, King, Joash, you're going to have to fight. It's not going to be easy for you. You're going to have to fight. It's not enough to have the equipment there beside you. You've got to have it in your hand, ready to be used. Put your hand on the bow. String the arrow. You're not going to be fighting the battle alone, Joash. I know he's a wicked king. I'm not going back on that, but he's not going to fight alone. What did Elisha do? As the king took a bow and some arrows, the king said to him, the prophet said to him, put your hand on the bow, and Elisha put his hands on the king's hand. That was symbolic, a symbolic action, wasn't it? He's not going to be fighting alone. God's prophet put his hands on the king's hands. Now listen to Elisha's words. Open the east window. And he opened it. Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. 
And now listen to the prophet's wonderful words. The arrow of the Lord's deliverance. You're not going to deliver the people, King Joash. The Lord will deliver the people. The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. King, you've got to go out there. You've got to take them on. You've got to strike the Syrians until you have destroyed them. You've not got to give up because I'm not there. You see, Elisha is telling him to engage the enemy. And he brings that message that God will give success. He will deliver his people from the Syrian army. God will give his people the complete victory in due time. Now listen to Elisha again. Then he said in verse 18, take the arrows. So he took them. Then he says, strike the ground with them. And he does so three times and stops. But that draws a rebuke from the prophet. The essence of Elisha's response is, you must not give up the battle. You stopped after three times. Now you'll only have three victories. Do you see the point? Do you see what Elisha's doing? He's saying, engage the enemy. God is with you to protect you. All the while you are fighting the enemy. When you stop fighting, you've had it. And that's exactly what happened. He must never give up the battle. And my friend, as Christians, don't we face a great enemy? An enemy that's beyond us? We face him and his cohorts. We read that in Ephesians 6. And what does Paul tell us to do in our generation? Exactly what Elisha told King Jehoash or Joash. Take up the whole armor of God. Put it on and withstand. And having done all, still stand. When you've done all you can, still don't give up. It's he who endures to the end, Jesus says, that shall be saved. Praise God. The chariots of God, as the psalm puts it, Psalm 68 that I mentioned earlier, the chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of thousands The Lord is among them, as in Sinai, in the holy place. My friend, as Christians, in a hostile environment, in a world that is hostile to our Savior, in a world that wants to see our downfall, ours is to take heed to Elisha's words, recognize that the protection of the armies of heaven, the hosts of heaven, surround God's people, That doesn't mean none fall in the battle. But they fall fighting. We are surrounded by God's protection. And that is what will help us to stand. How glorious is the conclusion of the scriptural record of Elisha, even in death. He says, the Lord protected me. He's protected me all the way through. And the king would have heard, well, he did hear about what happened at Dothan. And he'll protect you, O king, all the while you stand for him. All the while you stand for him, you'll be protected. But you know, 
there's something else in this little incident. Elisha died, and they buried him. And as was almost predictable, as soon as God's prophet was out of the way, hordes of warriors from Moab invaded the land. This is some time later. But there's a fresh battle now. The Moabs have infiltrated the land. And it seems that there's casualties in the battle. Or battles, the skirmishes. There's a casualty. What do we read? Elisha died, they buried him. And the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. And so it was, as they were burying a man. And it seems that he probably died in the skirmish or the battle or whatever it was. And as they were burying him, they caught sight of some more of these Moabite warriors. So they put him, put this corpse in the tomb of Elisha, which was just nearby. Has God abandoned his people? No. Have the chariots of Israel and their horsemen been withdrawn on the death of Elisha? No. Look what happens. A dead fighter revives. A dead fighter revives, doesn't he? The dead soldier came back to life. As his corpse came into contact with Elisha's, it came back to life. What a glorious scene that is. How full of encouragement and hope for you and for me. God had not abandoned his people, and he never will. Here was a faithful warrior, seemed to have fallen in battle, but God had not abandoned him. The Christian soldier, Elisha, may leave this world, and we can all look back to different ones that have had an impact on us, and they've gone the way of all the earth. They are now with the Lord in glory. That's where Elisha was. It wasn't Elisha that was resurrected and raised. But the impact of Elisha, his influence continued to be felt. No, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen have not been withdrawn, even if Elisha has. Do we not give thanks to God? who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ? Has he not broken the gates, the bars of the grave? Has he not overcome death itself? Has he not assured us, absent from the body, present with the Lord? Thanks be to God tonight, who gives us the victory even over the ultimate enemy. And God's word still holds true. Yes, God's word still holds true. The future is not bleak. The future is bright. Ultimate victory is assured to those who are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, the ultimate prophet of grace. Are you trusting in him tonight? If you are trusting in him, you're on the victory side. The chariots of Israel and their horsemen surround you. And even though you go through dark experiences, even though you go through floods and flames, even though you go through the grave itself, it cannot hold you. You are trusting in God's protection, in God's intervention. 
and protect and intervene, he will. So what are you and I to take away from this passage of scripture this evening? If Elisha speaks to us of God's grace, we see that grace supremely in Jesus Christ, don't we? Remember how John the John wrote in his gospel, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Your Savior, Christian, is the only begotten of the Father, and he is full, he is replete with grace and with truth. And in that same chapter, it's John 1, verse 14. Then in verse 16, he says, And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace, grace upon grace upon grace, suitable for every eventuality, in every situation, his grace is sufficient for us. So we look up, not to Elisha, We learn from Elisha. We learn the lessons that God teaches us through Elisha. But we look to our great prophet, our great high priest, and the king of kings. We look to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we hear him saying, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will not abandon you to your enemies. They may seem to have the upper hand. They may seem to be successful. But didn't it look like that with our Lord himself? Didn't it look as though they'd got the mastery? What they did not take into account was they did not take the life of Jesus. They did not kill him. He laid down his life for his people. Our Lord was in complete control every moment of the cross. And when he expired and breathed his last, he was still in control. And well, though they laid him in the tomb, we have that assurance. I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And because he rose again from the dead, we shall rise from the dead. It's going to come to us. But my friend, we have hope even against the greatest of our enemies. We have hope because God's protecting care is around us. He knows where we are going and what is going to happen. And he has assured us, I will be with you always. Not just in this situation or that situation. Not only in the big things or the small things. I am with you always. Right the way through to the end of time. Yes. Our ultimate hope is of the final resurrection. The hosts of heaven, the chariots and horsemen may give us protection now. But there's more than protection. Our glorious captain assures us of victory. He assures us of the victory. Not only in life, not only through life, but even over death itself. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, whatever your future holds, the Lord is faithful. We thought about that this morning. His covenant faithfulness is with you. And he has undertaken to be your protector. Away with all the fanciful ideas and notions of angels and so on. But there is a reality The angels are given charge. That's the chariots of Israel and 
the horsemen. God has his servants, his ministering servants. When we cannot hear what, our peop- what people are saying around us, the Lord can still break through and he will deal with us. He is the one who gives us the victory. The others help us towards the victory, but he will give us that ultimate conquest. So take courage and take heart in all the battles of life, whether they be many or few. The chariots of Israel and the horsemen are with you. In other words, God's protection is surrounding you. And though it may not feel like it, the way it may feel as though, yes, it's all over now. And the world will look and say, "Eh, it's hopeless for them now. My friend, even if we lay down our life, we are still under his hand. And he will not let us go. And he will bring us through to the ultimate victory, to his praise, to his glory, and for our blessing, for our blessing. Who knows what the future holds? The Lord does. I am with you always, even to the end of time. Thine be the glory risen, conquering son. Endless is the victory. Thou or death hast won. Let's pray. O Lord, our God and Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for being with us this day. You've reminded us today of your great faithfulness, your covenant faithfulness. And Lord, we rest in those covenant promises that you've made. And we've been reminded this evening, Lord, that you are the one who protects your people. The world will think it gains the victory, but it cannot gain the victory over you. It cannot gain the victory over your people. We must come through. And what a glorious day that will be when caught up with him in the air, And we shall ride behind him in that glorious victory procession to be with him forever and ever. And Lord, whether we shall look back over life's history, we don't know. Lord, we probably won't have eyes for the past. We'll have eyes for our Savior who gave us the victory. But Lord, that victory is ours. It is assured. And we praise you for it. And if there's anyone here tonight who doesn't have that confidence of the victory, Lord, give them to trust in you, to look to you. For you will never fail those who look to you. Receive us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. (coughs) Our closing praise for today is hymn 239. (coughs) 239. Thine be the glory, risen, conquering Son. Endless is the victory. Thou or death hast won. Angels in bright raiment rolled the stone away kept the folded grave close where thy body lay. Thine be the glory, risen, conquering Son. Endless is the victory thou or death hast won. No more we doubt thee, glorious Prince of life. Life is naught without thee, aid us in our strife. Make us more than conquerors through thy deathless love. Bring us safe through Jordan to thy home above. 239. Glory.
setting sun. Endless is the victory thou, O death, hast won. Angels in bright raiment rolled the stone away, kept the folded grave. Dominion 